Martin Bushby. My British brother, my British brohan. What, what is going on, my friend? Uh, it, it is good to talk to you, especially on such a momentous and such a generous and, and, and benevolent day. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew that, you know, I'm a busy man, ladies and gentlemen. I got a lot of shows going on mm-hmm. on these podcast streets. But, but when Martin threw out the call and said he needed some help, he needed some people on this 12-hour marathon, much like Michael Jordan in 1996, ladies and gentlemen, when Bugs Bunny threw up the call and said, we need help. We in the midst of this space jam. I had to suit up and answer the call for my brother, Martin Bushby. And of course, my main man, Benno. What is going on, fellas? And that, oh. ladies and gentlemen, is why you invite <laughs> Nate Milton onto a 12-hour podcast at the nine-hour mark, bringing that energy yes. that we that we know and love from Mr. Nate Milton. What what, uh, what a fantastic know. intro! <laughs> <laughs> oh, how, how you boys holding up? Yeah, pretty uh, good, pretty good, all things considering. I think. Yeah, Martin's doing the heavy lifting, so I'm impressed that Martin's still here. But yeah, we're uh, we're both hanging in there. I think. We'll be cracking the beers soon, I think. Um, but yeah, not too early. Got to keep this uh, this caffeine rush going. But yeah, it's been a it's been a fun day, hasn't it, man? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Nate, that was a very topical as well. Obviously, with Space Jam Two uh, just coming out, were you um, were you um, obviously Space Jam? I don't know about you, Nate and Benno, but it kind of came out around a you know a time when I wasn't interested in cartoons and stuff anymore. So I missed all the fewer uh, the first time around, and I've kind of. You know, caught up, back up with it. You know, being a big Michael Jordan and basketball fan. Nate, is uh, was Space Jam something you were a big fan of? Oh, Space Jam hit me at the perfect time, fellas, because this is '96, uh, and so I'm like a junior in high school, and you've got the the sports tie-in with Michael Jordan and all of those great NBA players of of that era. You've got you know the Looney Tune stuff, and and even then, like you know. I've, I was in high school, yes, but I've always been a fan of animation. And, you know, Mm -hmm. this is when Warner Brothers in particular were doing some pretty cool things. Like, you got to remember, this is like the around the birth of the DC animated universe with Batman animated series and Superman animated series. And Mm -hmm. then that would end up being Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. So I was I was here for Bugs Bunny back then, Martin. And so (laughs) when you got. Not only Michael Jordan, but then you bring in the Looney Tunes. And then on top of that, you have the weirdest soundtrack in movie soundtrack history <laughs> with Quad City DJs, with the Spin Doctors, with the late, great Biz Marquee, rest in peace, Biz, with Chris Rock and Barry White. Again, the late, great Barry White doing a song together, like just such randomness, but it, it all just worked out. What Chris Rock did a song with Barry White. Yes, Chris Rock did a remake of Cheech and Chong's song Basketball Jones. <laughs> I and it is to, amazing. I need I need to whack that on <laughs> uh, after we've uh, finished this at midnight. But um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, I caught up with it later. So are you excited for the sequel then with, with LeBron James? I am, because here's the thing. Like, I think I'm one of these rare basketball fans that grew up in the 90s and the early 2000s that, you know, was was watching Michael Jordan mm. that can still appreciate LeBron James. Because, like, so many people in my age bracket have little respect for the king. And, and like, Jordan's always going to be the greatest for me, guys, just because that's who I grew up with. 
Yeah. But I can objectively look at what LeBron James has done in his career and say, yeah, like he might not be better than Jordan for me personally, but there's an argument to be made. And so I've never been somebody that has hated on LeBron. And so like, this is cool because my nieces are excited about seeing the new Space Jam, particularly my youngest niece. And so this is something where in the midst of this pandemic, we can hop on the uh, HBO Max and we can watch this movie together, which kind of combines all of our interests. And and so, yeah, like I'm I'm here for the new Space Jam movie. Excellent. Um, I mean, I, su- I suppose um, in terms of sort of like your uh, your basketball fandom, I'm assuming you were uh, an Atlanta Hawks fan. What about um, this season? I mean, they got they got a lot further than um, a lot of people thought they were going to. Yes, come on, let's t- let's talk about this. And I know there's a lot of people listening on your side of the pond, Martin. They don't understand what the fuss is about with this young man Trey Trey Young. It looks like the long lost DeBarge brother. This man <laughs> Trey. Trey Young, all all pretty with the light skin and the good hair, just hitting jumpers from half court. My man, Trey the Barge, a.k.a. Ice Trey. Like, here's the thing about Atlanta sports. Atlanta sports is just this weird kind of fandom. Like, we're not as long-suffering as, say, the Cleveland fans were, right? Mm. Where we've had success over the years, whether you're talking about the Braves in baseball or the Falcons in football. But we're always that team that, you know, can come up and have success and then just drop it at the last minute, like that Super Bowl where the Falcons lost to the Patriots. And there's a part of me that still believes that that was an elaborate government plot. Martin <laughs> Bushby, like, I can't, like, I think they were just trying to give Tom Brady something. You know, that's that's like my one irrational sports take is that I believe that the, the NFL and the American government have been in cahoots to promote Tom Brady <laughs> because he's like the all-American poster boy. That's just my own crazy, weird, wacky, QAnon-esque theory. Uh, <laughs> but, it, like, these, these Hawks, Martin, were so cool because in the middle of the season – they were barely hanging on to the eighth spot mm. in the Eastern Conference. And they made a coaching change, brought in Nate McMillan. And yep. this guy just took them on on a run. And, and like, th- there's a lot of people in Atlanta that were disappointed that they didn't make it to the finals. But I wasn't because they weren't even supposed to get to the Eastern Conference mm. finals. The fact that they beat the Knicks, the Sixers, and then, you know, pushed Giannis to uh, uh, six games, like, that's – that's overachieving. And you got a real young team. Like Trey Young is still, I think Trey's 22, 23. So he's ridiculously young. You've got a lot of young players around him. And so I'm excited. Like I have optimism and hope, which is always uh, a wary thing when you're an Atlanta yeah. sports fan. But I have faith in my team. Plus, like they have arguably the greatest jerseys in the history of NBA <laughs> jerseys with the Martin Luther King fit. Yeah. Like, if you can wear a, a, a jersey, Benno, that promotes not only good basketball, but social justice, that's the best of both worlds, brother. I'll wear that. <laughs> Anytime. Definitely. Yeah, I was secretly rooting for the Hawks. I used to be a big Sonics fan back in the day, so any form of mm. Sonics uh, heading to the promised land, that's... Uh, yeah, that's all good with me. Um, but I suppose uh, moving away from uh, real sports and onto. to... Uh, Onto uh, less real sports. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you, Nate, 
been a huge fan of yours for years been listening to you know you you got a variety of podcasts that you said at, at the uh, top of the hour and you know been a huge fan of yours for years whether it be you know you reviewing um Dwayne the Rock Johnson's films or you know your old shows with Brian Mann and stuff I just wanted to know how you originally got started in sort of like a uh, sports broadcasting and and then more specifically uh wrestling podcasts and wrestling broadcasting mm. well so, so I got started in broadcasting basically because that is what God wanted me to do. And I can tell you that's what God wanted me to do because God made me five, six on a good day, fellas. <laughs> and that's that's on a good day. That's like on the best day possible where I wake up with money in the bank and the bluebirds are singing outside. I got a hot breakfast on the table. I feel tall. I look tall. Most days I'm about five, five, right? But on a good day, I'm five, six. And so I love sports. Like I've always loved sports, not only for what they mean on the field, but also how sports can relate to real world issues. And so pretty early on, like middle school, high school, I realized that my on-field career was short-lived. <laughs> and so there's got to be another way for me to stay connected to these games and to these sports. And I didn't want to coach. I didn't want to be an official you know, I didn't want to go to school and study to be an athletic trainer. And so it just kind of clicked one day that I can talk. You know, I, if I can't do anything else, I can put a couple sentences together. As as Martin Bushby once once uh, dubbed me, I can be a raconteur at times. And so I was yeah. like, how, how do I get into this business of talking about sports? And, you know, fortunately, my... High school had a program uh, that did TV and radio production. And so that's where I first started. So like 16 years old, 17 years old, first time I'm really behind a mic. And that just grew. And, you know, I've been to Japan and did some broadcasting over there and did some broadcasting in college. And for the last 20-something years, I've been broadcasting uh, with the local High school station, yeah, since 2000. So going on 21 years now. Wow. Uh, sound like Owen Wilson. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so I've been doing, you know, football games and the basketball games and the baseball games and, and things of that nature for the high schools, for the school system down here. And so podcasting came about basically because I was frustrated because, you know, it, it's like I felt like Isaiah Thomas in the last dance documentary, Martin, mm, when yeah. he was asked about like the dream team, because I, you know, I'd applied to TV stations and radio stations and I'd get, you know, like a job here or there, but nothing long-term. And so I'm just looking at all of these other people who are working in the industry. And I'm just like, I, I met the qualifications, mm. but for some reason I wasn't picked. And so that frustration kind of led me to want to do something. And I'd listened to podcasts before, but I never thought I could do a podcast. And so I, I hooked up with Marcus Vandenberg and Alfred Cunnell at the time. Uh, both, we, we were, all three of us were members of the uh, Law Facebook group. You know, going back to John Pollock and Wei Ting, two previous guests on your marathon, Martin. And I was like, yo, we need, we should hook up and talk about sports in a way that I wish I could on the radio. And we've been doing that since 2013. And because of that, Martin, like that led me to connecting with John Pollock. That led me to connecting with Brian Mann. That led to 
you know, the shows that I do with post to this day. And so everything just kind of has a way of working out. Like if, if I had taken all that bitterness and that frustration back, you know, 10 years ago or so, and not decided to get into podcasting, I wouldn't be talking to you now, Martin, because you wouldn't know who the hell I am. And so like, <laughs> that's what I always tell people, man, like the doors that you want to go through might not be open for you at this moment, but find, find other ways to tap into what you are passionate about. And, and for me, talking about sports, talking about life, talking about wrestling, particularly from my experience as a black guy growing up in America, like, that's always been my passion. And fortunately, I found ways to talk about it, uh, you know, whether it's on the air, uh, on, on TV or radio or, or through these podcasts. I was going to say my first like uh, awareness of you, Nate, was back in those days when, you know, you were first coming on the, the law podcast and you'd be doing like the, the guest spots on the uh, the impact reviews and you'd be uh, you'd be the early. Uh, mm. The official Impact Wrestling correspondent for uh, for Live Audio <laughs> Wrestling uh, in the cut there with uh, with John Pollock. I've got great memories of those days. Of uh, you know, I remember you telling the story about uh, giving daps to Taz uh, when you were live on a show, and yes. all of, yeah, they were great. Remember the good old days back when Impact was. Uh, okay, <laughs> I want to say great, yes. but you know, okay. Uh, I love those uh, that run of shows. And again, like I think. Everything happens for a reason. Like, I, I love Brian Mann. Like, I think Brian Mann and I were the perfect people to kind of pick up that impact torch for John and Way when <laughs> John and Way reasonably, like any reasonable, uh, <laughs> a rational adult would, got burned out with that product. Brian and I picked it up. And I think, like, Brian and I just worked. Like, his snarky youthfulness combined with my optimism, like, it just everything clicked and because we clicked on review and impact we did like three or four other shows whether you're talking about keep it 2000 or keep it 100 or uh you know the review america series and, and so i've always said man like you you can't fake chemistry right like you can't just throw two people together and have something work you can you can get by you know you can do a show but is it going to be something people connect to and I think me and Brian had that connection and it came across to the audience. Same with me and Marcus, you know, uh, like there's a reason him and I have been able to do the Kings of Sport for so long is because we love talking to each other and we love interacting with the audience, man. And I think if you if you don't have kind of that love for the subject matter and the love for the audience, it's not going to work. Because here's the thing. Most of us that do these things on these microphones, ladies and gentlemen, pulling the curtain back, most of us aren't getting paid for this. And if we are, we're not getting paid a whole lot. And so it becomes a labor of love. And if if you love what you do, and if you love the people you're doing it with, and if you love the people listening, you're going to be all right. But if, if you're just out here trying to get a check on these podcast streets, the game is going to chew you up and spit you out real quick because it doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can hear it coming through. Like, it was on to John before. I remember him and Way talking about, like, you don't want to be, you know, doing content for the sake of it. Like, you don't want to be doing it just because you have to do it. You want to be doing it yep. because it's interesting and because you find it interesting. And, you know, with wrestling, I think sometimes, you know, that can be a struggle. You know, there are definitely, I'm sure there were weeks when you guys were covering Impact where it was like, oh, really? We got to do this thing tonight? Or, you know, and you guys were keeping it 2000 covering. I don't know how you guys kept that thing going uh, for for as long as you did, but you know it's uh, it, can, it can be hard to, to kind of to motivate yourself, and if you're not 
like I say, doing it for the love of it and you are doing it for, for the, the monetary side of things, that's when, that is when, when podcasts flame out and that's, you know, probably a key to why, you know, you've had such longevity nights. I'm also stubborn. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's another thing. Because here's the thing, man. Like, I, there's been times where I really didn't, didn't have room in my schedule to do shows. You know, right. for instance, one of these shows that I've loved doing the most that just recently came to an end was the Black Lightning podcast, which was over on the DC TV podcast network. And it was a show that covered Black Lightning, which ran on the CW for four seasons. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have room in my schedule for that show at all. But, you know, the host, uh, Brittany Monet at the time, came to me and was like, hey, we really love you to join the show because we're you know, two of two of our hosts have left. We'd love to bring you on. And I said, okay, let's see how it goes. And mm-hmm. I stuck with that for three years because I loved what I was talking about. And I I believed in the importance of the show that we were covering. But I also like talking to the people who became my friends. Like I that's the other thing. Like I think the more you do shows like this with people, the less they become co-hosts. The less they become, you know, co-workers, so to speak, so to speak, the more they become family. And that's part of why I call everybody brother and sister. Because if I'm taking the time, and I don't mean to say I don't mean to say this to sound uh egotistical, Martin, but if I'm taking time out of my schedule mm. to talk to you, it must mean that we that I enjoy talking to you mm. and that we have a good time every time we get on the microphone. And so you're my brother. Cause I'm not going to spend time out of my day for people that's not family. And so when you find that you got to stick with it. So like, I didn't have time for the black lightning podcast, but I love those people so much. Brittany Monet, Clement Bryant, Vanessa shark. Like I loved podcasting with them so much. It's like, yeah, I know it's going to hurt me on some other part of my life, but it's worth it for the show and it's worth it for the audience and it's worth it to have these conversations. Cause that's the other thing, uh, Martin, like people don't talk enough Mm. in this world. Like, and when they do talk, they're talking at each other and not to (laughs) each other. And I love being on a podcast where I can talk to you and we might have a different perspective on the same thing, but we can have that conversation and come to some sort of agreement rather than, oh, I'm just going to yell at you and you're going to yell at me. Mm. And at the end of 30 minutes, nobody got anything across. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned a, a few of them then, but obviously you've got a, a brilliant um, sort of like pool of friends and sort of like contributors, you know, like obviously Chris from LA and then Marcus and then, you know, that they're sort of like your sports and wrestling sort of like contributors. And then <laughs> obviously, you know, you've got the likes of Vanessa Shark and stuff. How did you sort of like um, put, you know, all these to think of a better word, teams together in terms of like, was this all online or was like meeting up with people, you know, in in person and and things like that? Well, here's the thing. Some of these came from people I'd known prior, you know, like Mm. the Kings of Sport was something where Marcus, Alfred and I got together to work on that. And then from that, we, we knew Chris, you know, and we knew various other people in the kind of, post wrestling uh i guess live audio wrestling at the time uh mm. fan base and we would connect that way uh but a lot of these shows i initially started as a listener like with the black lightning podcast 
I was listening and writing in, you know, and emailing. Uh, and they liked my feedback and we connected on that level. Uh, and I feel like it, it kind of goes back to traditional radio, you know, terrestrial radio, which is becoming a lost art. But I've always been a fan of it. Like I would go to sleep when I used to live in San Diego, listening to Jim Rome on the radio. And just the connection that a host can have with their audience. If it's real, if it's genuine, it's, it's, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. It's something you can't fake. And I think that's something like all the good hosts have that. Like John and Way. You can look at the postmarks, man. Like some of the most loyal, dedicated listeners in the game right now. Like there's a reason that connection has been made because the people heading the show are doing it for the right reasons. And so like I've always been of the idea that if if you are kind of coming from it in the same direction that I am, we can work and we can make some we can make some fun. Uh you know another story from another part of my life, Martin, when I used to be in a Christian rock band, uh the guitarist who was about 20 years older than me. He was, he pulled me aside after one gig where we played in front of like three people, literally. It was three people and we brought two of the three people. <laughs> and so like after the show, I was just kind of like, mm, like, what do we really do that for? And he came up to me, he's like, look here, Nate, in business, in life, in your hobbies, there are three categories that you're looking for. And if you have two of the three, then you can keep going. If you don't, then you might as well just hang it up. And I was like, well, what's the three categories, Ronnie? And he was like, three categories. You have to love what you do. Mm. You have to love the people you're doing it with, or you got to make money. So if you have two of those three elements, you can keep going. And that's how I look at podcasting, man. Like I love the people that I'm doing it with. And I love what I do. Cause I damn sure ain't making no money. <laughs> you know, and like, like, like I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I might have to start selling testosterone pills out here on these streets, fellas. Like, by God, fellas, <laughs> do, do you not feel so strong in the ring anymore? Like, I don't know what I got to do, but like, uh, the monetary part ain't really hitting. But what is hitting for me is the interaction with my co-host, the interaction mm -hmm. with the audience, and being able to talk about the stuff that we talk about. Like, the fact that John and Way. These two brothers from Canada, like greenlit the Nubian wrestling advocates, an unapologetically black wrestling show on their network. And they let me and Chris and Andrew talk about whatever we want to talk about within reason. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, and so I'm so mm. appreciative of the platform that they that they blessed us with that. Yeah. Like, even if we even if we never see a dime from, you know, the, the commercial world out there uh, on these podcast streets. Like, I'm so grateful for experiences like this or experiences like doing the Kings of Sport for almost 10 years with Marcus and doing the Black Lightning podcast and doing the Rocky My Via Picture Show. And so, yeah, like I, I wouldn't trade these experiences for all the money in the world, and I'm being mostly sincere when I say that. Because <laughs> everybody's got a price. <laughs> That's it. Somebody meet Nate, he deserves it. But no, I was gonna say, I, I honestly think, especially like this, you know, during the pandemic, I think, 
you know avoid the, the monetary side of thing even the professional side of thing i think for me personally i don't know if you're the same nate podcasting has been like uh, it's a social life you know while we've all been locked mm-hmm. in our houses and we've all got limited things we can do having this outlet and being able to talk to friends about whether it be wrestling or or anything else is like you know this is my going out on a, it has been my going out on a friday or saturday night for the last you know year and a half and i think it's you know, for us as podcasters, I think we've been in a in a really beneficial position, haven't we, to to have something like this and have this outlet in in such a rough time. I agree, and I also think like here's the thing, uh, and maybe I'm telling tales out of school. Maybe I'm spilling too much tea on these streets, fellas. <laughs> most most of the people that that get behind a microphone for a living, uh, at least in the podcast space, like we're we're kind of homebodies, you know, a lot yeah. of us. Uh, you know, you you don't install Audacity on your computer and spend <laughs> hours editing. If if you are if you the type of person that likes to be out in nature, that's those two things don't go together, Martin Bushby. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that like there's just kind of a natural uh, uh, element of people that do podcasts uh, like to be home, but there's also this element, and I think this is one of the few silver linings of 2020 is I think a lot of people either started a podcast for the first time or they realized that their podcast could be so much more than it currently is. And like for the Kings of sport, we started doing live shows. Like we, we'd never done, like we've done one or two live shows for special events, WrestleMania, Super Bowl, things like that over the years. But now every week or every other week, Marcus and I are live for an hour and a half, two hours and interacting with people. And like that's an element of the show we probably wouldn't have added if not for having to come up with stuff during the pandemic and being forced to be creative. And so I do think like in every crisis, there is an element of opportunity, of creativity that could be sparked and I've been really impressed with like a lot of the work coming out of the podcast space in the last year because mm-hmm. everybody's hurting, everybody's feeling some sense of trauma in various ways, shapes, and forms. Like we all express our trauma and our pain differently. Uh, but seeing some of the creative ways that people have chosen to stay connected with each other through podcasts has been pretty cool. Totally. Yeah, definitely. I agree with especially what you were saying and, and Benno as well. You know, I think it has been a great outlet for us and sort of like, you know, especially when you're stuck at home and, you know, and, and you want people to talk with similar interests mm. and stuff, it has been a, a perfect outlet, hasn't it? I, I meant to ask you, Nate, obviously you're known for, you know, um, you know, being, as I as I called you, a raconteur, brilliant at telling stories and stuff. Um, have, wrestling in, have you ever sort of like um, gone down the route of sort of like doing wrestler interviews or is that not a side that you're particularly interested in? There was a chapter of my life where I where I did a lot of wrestler interviews, and this would have been about three years ago, maybe four years ago. Uh, I was a part of a show called Pipe Bomb Radio, and this was a show created by a gentleman named Felix Omedo out of California, and it was myself, Felix, and we had various co-hosts from time to time. Like for a time, we had. Uh, Austin James, who was one of our co-hosts, uh, Elio Canelo was our producer, and he would pop on the mic from time to time. And then uh, we had uh, like 
actual wrestlers like that would co-host from time to time. Uh, and so we would talk to random wrestlers, just like literally a random assortment of whoever Felix could get. Mm-hmm. And like one week we'd be talking to uh, Kia Stevens, you know, Karma uh, yeah. or Awesome Kong. Or another week we'd be talking to Mr. Pectacular. And then the week after that, we're talking to Bruce Hart. And then the week after that, we're talking to Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. And it's just this random assortment of people that all have these great stories. Like Harley Race yelled at me one week, which was hilarious. The 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 uh, genius Lanny Poffo read us a children's story that was supposed to take five minutes and it ended up being 20 minutes because it's Lanny the genius Poffo mm-hmm. and the brother's gonna get his stuff in. He's gonna get all of his moves in uh, on these on these streets, Martin. But just that experience was new for me because I'd interviewed athletes before. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I'd interviewed people like Michael Vick or uh, you know people like uh, Ronald Curry. Uh, these are athletes from the Virginia area that maybe a lot of people outside of of these southeastern states won't remember. Uh, but you know, like I've t- Allen Iverson. I've interviewed a lot of these types of people, mm-hmm. but wrestlers that was different for me and so that was a good show for me because it taught me how to do a wrestling interview and how to take what i learned as a sports broadcaster and apply it to doing these interviews with jimmy boogie woogie man valiant who by the time we got through with that conversation he loved me so much he's like look here brother Whenever you come up my way to the mountains, brother, you got a contract with the Boogie Woogie Man, brother. <laughs> I was like, I've never taken him up on it. I don't know if that offer is still valid, but it's good to know that if I ever get in trouble, I got a guaranteed contract with the Boogie Woogie Man sitting out there for me, fellas. But it's just wrestling is so weird and, and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like I think you were talking about it with John earlier, guys. Like It's the perfect combination of sports and theater and it's different from both. And it's its own crazy, unique thing that all of these people that are in the wrestling business, like, you got to be a showman to be in this business. You know, we just, Chris and I just talked to Prince Nana from ROH for the Nubian Wrestling oh, yeah. Advocates. And that, that Not brother is, right is on a whole nother level. And so it's like, yeah, you have to be a, a natural showman to be in the, in the wrestling business. And so it's very fun doing interviews with wrestlers, at least for me it is, because it's like with athletes, you can get the cliched answers. You know, both both teams played hard, and, you know, we we're just going to go out there and give 110%, and, you know, we just, just want to do the best. You know, every next man's got to step up. Everybody's got a job to do. But with these wrestlers, <laughs> these wrestlers, like, they don't care about your cliches, Martin. They don't care about your cliches, Benno. They, they'll say whatever they want to say, and so I appreciate that. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's it's funny some uh, some stories that you can get out of wrestlers, especially the older time ones. Seems to not really care as much to the end. They're not that you know they're not looking for a job, so they don't really care about what they're uh, telling you. But um, what sort of like is your sort of like favorite wrestling to watch in terms of like you know say you know you're not doing a great deal and you're like oh I'm gonna throw some sort of like comfort wrestling on? Is would it be sort of like WCW? Is that the sort of stuff you were uh, growing up with? Yeah, NWA, WCW was what I grew up on, you know, living in Virginia, growing up in Virginia, uh, particularly when you talk about like the late 80s, early 90s into the NWO era. Like that's that's my jam. Uh, like I love all that stuff. Uh, like Attitude Era, like I know that's like 
the it's the hardest era to actually look back objectively on mm. because there's a lot of the attitude era and sorry for anybody that's of a certain age out there. A lot of the attitude era was crap. Like <laughs> if we, if we really look at it, oh, objectively. Yeah. <laughs> but by the same token, those are some of the greatest performers in the history of this business. Stone Cold, Rock, Foley, you know, like, so it's this weird juxtaposition and like, so that like mid nineties wrestling, I'll I'll go back and watch. I have a soft spot for a lot of like world class, because my mother grew up in Texas, and so like next to like James Brown and and uh, Jimi Hendrix and all these <laughs> like Martin Luther King and all these great black icons that that we grew up with in the Milton household, Martin Bushby, like right next to Martin and and Malcolm and Mandela. <laughs> Was the Von Erichs because my mother loved the Von Erichs family. Wow. And so, like, world class always has a soft spot in my heart. You know, going back and looking at, you know, like a young Steve Austin or a uh, gentleman Chris Adams, uh, you know, the, the Carrie, Kevin Von Erich, like, just great storytelling, uh, at least up to a point. Like, there was a point where world class just went, like, it jumped the shark, but like, there were many years where world class was just telling these awesome stories, the Freebird Von Eric feud. Mm. And so like world class will always get a pop out of me because I feel like like Memphis and world class were doing some stuff that the WWE and even the NWA to a certain extent would never try. Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, I don't know about you, Benno, and certainly this stuff appears on the network now. And obviously, you know, you you know, you sort of read all the bad things about world class and the Von Erich family. But it's certainly a period of of sort of like wrestling that I'm I'm quite um, dark on. It's something that I really want to catch up with because it it did like Nate said there about his, you know his mum being this huge Von Erich family. It just captured everyone's imaginations in Texas, and it's definitely a time period I need to go back and uh, and check out. Oh, definitely. It's like unfortunately got. You know the the whole feeling around it of negativity mm. because of you know what happened with that family and such, and that's kind mm. of what gets the headlines and probably rightly so. But I've de- I definitely went through a period of watching like I just had a load of like DVDs of of that kind of period of wrestling of of world class. Um, is wrestling at the chase then? Is that them? I'm pretty sure that was uh that was what I had. Mm. Um, and it was yeah, you know, you go back and you see how good like a you know even a Kerry one Eric was in his younger days, and you know yes. Kevin was always very good. But, you know, Kerry's one of those great missed things in wrestling, isn't it? That should have been like a yeah. a worldwide superstar of a wrestler. If you know again the the family curse didn't didn't strike, but yeah, it's it's it, it's yeah, it's definitely a period where like you know you, you're aware of it and you hear those stories but maybe it doesn't get the uh, the coverage it definitely deserves here's, here's how great world class was like now that i'm thinking about it fellas <laughs> like you, you you guys know like i'm somebody that's always going to be out here talking about the the benefit of representation in media and diversity and you know being able to see yourself in media is one of the best things for young people and like world class is so not politically correct now that I go back and look at it. Mm. Like, they had this man, P.Y. Chu High, supposed to be this mysterious fighter from the Orient, quote-unquote. Just a white man with some paint on. <laughs> P.Y. Chu High was out there. You had the, the Simpson brothers from South Africa. They were one of my favorite tag teams in world class. Steve Simpson and Scott Simpson from South Africa. Little did I know, as a young child going back and watching these tapes that my mother loved so much, 
Like, this was in the middle of apartheid, fellas. Oh, dear. And we just got these South African brothers out here just acting like everything is good. Ain't sent no money back to help Nelson or nothing. Mm. Talking about the the, the Gary Hart and the the JTEX Corporation. Like, there's a lot of racial stuff going on in world class that wouldn't fly today, but if you go back and just look at it at the time it was created, like it's a crazy, mm. wild, entertaining show. I think that's the thing about wrestling and entertainment as a general, isn't it? You go back to like old 70s and 80s TV shows and they don't stand up today. And a lot of times you either like don't watch it or you've got to watch it sort of like in the eyes of people watching it back then. But um, yeah, it's certainly something that I want to go back and, um, and, and check out. But um, I wanted to get your thoughts, Nate, because um, obviously you're very busy and obviously there's a lot of wrestling content out there these days. Um, in terms of like the, we're coming out of the pandemic era now, and I asked Andrew this question earlier. What have been some of your sort of like favorite parts of sort of like um, the pandemic wrestling? Because obviously there's been a lot of bad, but then there's been some good like sprinkled in there as well. Mm. Yeah, I'll start with the WWE because I feel like a lot of times we don't give the WWE their due for obvious and well deserved reasons at times. Mm. Uh, but I would say during the pandemic, like, Bailey and Sasha and Asuka did some of the best work in that company, you know, lifting the company on their backs, so to speak. And uh, along with the Hurt Business, too. Like, I think the Hurt Business did some really good work there as well. But just seeing performers have to go farther and be bigger and be bolder and come out with different wrinkles because there's there's no fans to react to. And so, like, I thought like those women in particular, along with the Hurt Business, did a great job in WWE. But come on, come on, Martin. Why why ask questions that you already know the answer to? Because the last time you and I talked on a podcast, we were talking about that man called Sting. So, of course, my favorite oh, yes. moment of pandemic wrestling was on, 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 a, on a winter's night. When we're just looking and it's snowing in Jacksonville, okay, that's weird. Is Glacier coming back? I guess everybody can get a check now these days. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Tony Schiavone, it's Sting. And Sting, the hero of my childhood, Benno, comes out looking as stingish as ever. And, and I was just like, I don't know why there's an echo, probably because I'm talking about that man called Sting. But I was just so excited man to see sting out there and, and see sting looking good and and so yeah like that <laughs> moment gave me legit chills man just like seeing sting and then to go and see sting actually have a match which is something i didn't think was going to be able to happen like a legitimate match not a cinematic match him actually out there doing stuff in a ring mm. i thought we weren't going to get that because of what happened in that seth rollins match and so to see sting wow. like this guy that I've been a fan of for literally yeah. most of my life. Like to see him out here in 2020 and 2021 doing his thing has been just really cool for me. Was um, so was... I, I sorry I about as well with Sting. No, I was just gonna say like you know that Seth Rollins bump, one of the stupidest things in the world. Who yes. who calls a ruling power one to the buckle on a you know a a fifty something year old Sting? But I honestly think that. You know, doing that cinematic match, I bet you it wasn't guaranteed that he was going to come back and wrestle. I, I feel like that match maybe gave him a little bit of confidence to do it, gave him confidence he was in the right surrounding to do it. And then, yeah, you know, he, 
prove that yeah you can absolutely put Sting in a in a fun tag match with like that and I think AW earned that trust from because AW haven't put a foot wrong as far as using Sting you got the great debut like you mentioned there you know yeah, they've teamed him with Derby and he's not overshadowed Derby he's helped Derby you know and it's just been just a match made in heaven for everybody Sting is the you best know. he's the best wrestling father that we've ever seen like Rick <laughs> <laughs> like, Flair wasn't the best dad you know <laughs> like Sting is there for his son man yeah that's it uh, you know Sting had some bad years in impact you know he maybe probably did more than he than he needed to and they didn't maybe capitalize on him right but AEW they're getting it right I just wish he was yeah. 10 years younger but you know he still looks good for the age yeah I I, I wish like what is he 60 now 65 maybe mm, something like that yeah like I, I look I hope like I hope I'm here period at 65 but uh, I hope to look that good and be in that good of shape at 65 because he's he might be in better shape than I am right now, fellas, and that's only halfway joking. <laughs> uh, me too. I, I certainly hope I've got the uh, property portfolio that um, that Steve Borgen's got on 65. Is that your? He sells this. He sells that. <laughs> he sure does. I, 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 look, I, I tried to find a way to kind of loop that around, but real estate's not my bag, so I, I, I blanked on the, the dismount for that joke. They can't all be winners, <laughs> fellas. It reminds me of that. Have you ever heard that clip of Lance Storm singing uh, Sting's theme that he did on like Observer Radio once? That's what it sounded like. Um, <laughs> love love Lance Storm. Like that, that was one of my uh, one of my podcast highlights when Brian and I got to do an episode of Keep It Two Thousand with Lance Storm. Like he's just so fun and, and knowledgeable and you know didn't take himself too seriously uh ironically like enough <laughs> yes <laughs> is that is that your uh is out of all the sting eras then nate is the uh is the crow character sting sort of like your your sting would you say we we talked about this martin you and i, I, I we talked like there's a very specific <laughs> very specific <laughs> era of sting that is my sting and my sting alone you know every and everybody loves surface thing everybody loves crow sting some people love joker sting i've never met them but i'm sure some people love joker sting but there's one very specific sting that is my favorite amongst all the stings and that is what i affectionately call like grown-ass man sting like the the sting for that one year in between surface sting and crow sting where he was growing his hair out with mm. the brown, like he's not bleach blonde anymore. He's letting the brown hair grow out, and he's, you know, working some more colors in. And you know, we we get that great promo with Sting says he's a free agent. Like I like angry Sting, like Sting that's mm. been betrayed by Lex Luger too many times. Sting that doesn't feel like WCW has his back. Like midlife crisis Sting. That's that's my Sting, ladies and gentlemen. Oh yes. Definitely. And of course, uh, Nate has mentioned that, you know, if you want to hear him talk more about Sting, you know, we did a cracking podcast, me, him and Chris, yes. uh, talking all about oh, yeah. uh, Sting's career. So definitely go and check that one out. But, um, Nate, I know you, obviously you've got a variety of interests and, um, you know, wrestling is just one of them. And um, we w- would be remiss if we had you on here and didn't talk about movies because I know you're a huge, huge movie fan. And um, have you had a chance to check out uh, Dwayne Johnson's latest um, film, um Fast nine. Oh, I have. 
No, he's yeah, not, in, he's not in this Fast, one. Uh, no, he's not in that one. Uh, uh, they're, they're saving that for Fast 10, fellas. They gave Cena <laughs> the spot, didn't they? Give him, give him the young guy the rope. That's what Dwayne does. Yes. <laughs> he's he off doing Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> now, I thought you were going to ask me about Jungle Cruise. Like, I haven't seen Jungle Cruise yet. Uh, I did see. I did watch Black Widow this weekend. Oh, how was that? Oh, I was it? Spoiler free. I, okay, <laughs> spoiler free. I like it. I think I'm going to need to watch it again because there are there are issues that certainly stand out on one side of the ledger, to use one of Natasha's phrases. But <laughs> what works about Black Widow really, really, really works. Yeah. I'm definitely it's, looking forward it's to not, checking it it's out. It's not like a top five Marvel movie for me, but mm. it's it's a fun time, man. Have you, um, obviously, you are a huge Marvel fan as well. So, what? obviously, you know... The TV series have been a bit divisive, aren't they, amongst fans? You know, some people really loving them and some people um, yeah. not not really sort of digging them at all. But uh, in terms of sort of like Loki and WandaVision and, um, you know, um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, what have, what have your opinion been about? Obviously, you know, you've gone in depth with this, with waiting and, and the like. But just um, as an overall, what, what were your thoughts on Loki and the rest of the series that have been produced? I've liked them all, man. Like, here's the thing. First of all, anybody that grew up in the 80s and the 90s, if 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 you were complaining about what Marvel's doing right now, you you have lost the plot. Because need I remind you of what was our superhero stuff coming up? Hmm. Shaquille O'Neal starring in in Steel, <laughs> Spawn, Blade Trinity with Triple H. Come on now. Yeah, the, the fact that you would have the audacity to criticize what Marvel is out here doing, ladies and gentlemen, giving you these shows on Disney Plus basically for free. I know you got to pay for Disney Plus, but it's basically for free because you had Disney anyway, because Mickey owns us all. Um, <laughs> but I've liked them, man. Like I've had issues with each of the series, but art is subjective, man. Like like uh, entertainment is subjective. So there's never going to be one show that works for everybody. But I think, you know, Wanda was a great study of Wanda's grief and how she coped with that. I think uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was a great story about how Sam went from point A to point B and, and truly became Captain America. And we touched on a lot of stuff involving race, which I didn't think Disney and Marvel mm. were going to have the guts to touch on. So I was very pleased with that series and then loki is just crazy and and i've like hiddleston's great obviously but just seeing where they're taking this series and where they're taking the mcu in general like i've, I've enjoyed all these shows man and again like every movie every show isn't going to be for everybody but compared to what we had or what i had at least growing up like this is amazing and i'll i'll take this stuff now as much as i have a soft spot in my heart for like Blade and the Tobey Maguire mm. Spider-Man and all that. I'll take what we got now over what what I got as a teenager or a kid nine times out of ten. Oh yeah, definitely. Is there, um, obviously Loki was um, a really popular character among fans and I think a lot of people were happy that he, had, he was getting his own series and the way it sort of like played out rather than it being a flashback series or something, you know, um, mm. a bit different. Was there any characters that you would like to see sort of, like, get their own series? Well, I think they've got, like, the world of Wakanda in the works, which is going to be interesting. And, like, a, 
I think all of that stuff surrounding Black Panther is going to be very, very interesting to me. Um, you know, again, with the unfortunate loss of Chadwick Boseman, mm. how they tell that story and what they do to continue that story. And how, do that, how does that translate into a TV series? If they do go forward with the world of Wakanda, I think that's going to be interesting. Like the Captain Marvel series should be fun. Mm. Uh, or the Miss Marvel, excuse me. Uh, the Kamala Khan series should be fun. Like, I'm even excited for the Hawkeye series. And I think Hawkeye is the most worthless Avenger of all. Uh, because literally anybody that's competed in the Summer Olympics in an archery competition could be Hawkeye. <laughs> like literally anybody on that medal stand in Tokyo in two weeks, Benno, could be Hawkeye with a with a week or two of training. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think what what I'm looking most forward to though, what I would love to see, and maybe we get a chance to do it given what happened at the end of Loki. No spoilers, but I'd love to see Luke Cage come into the MCU proper. Because I love that series, and I thought Mike Coulter was really great in that series. Uh, you know, Daredevil with Charlie Cox and, and uh, uh, Jessica Jones with Kristen Ritter. Like, I love all of them. Mm. Uh, Iron Fist, not so much. But, like, I'd love it if they if they found a way to bring those people in. Like, there's been some really good Marvel over the years. Like, Cloak and Dagger is a show me and my nieces watched. And a lot of people my age didn't watch Cloak and Dagger because it came on Freeform, which is like, you know, a kid's channel. But I love Cloak and Dagger, like watching it with my nieces and like they touched on themes of human trafficking and race and sexism and like so many interesting things. And I'm like, this is a kid show about <laughs> Disney, I mean, about Marvel. And I would love to see if they brought Cloak and Dagger into the MCU. So there's a lot of stuff Feige could do, man. Like Kevin, Kevin Feige doesn't need me to tell him what to do. Like that man <laughs> is laughing in a chair made of money right now. <laughs> Uh, sitting in a house made of golden bricks. So he doesn't need my help out here, Martin Bushby. <laughs> I do agree with the uh, Black Panther stuff, though, because obviously um, she got a lot of uh, play in the Black Panther movie, but maybe not so much uh, in the subsequent movies. Uh, with Shuri, obviously a brilliant British yeah. actress, uh, Letitia Wright, and I think, um, you know, certainly a standalone series about her and sort of like many of the characters that were involved in Black Panther would be something to look forward to. Um what are your thoughts then about um, Hugh Jackman maybe coming back into the MCU? I mean, me personally, I think Logan was a perfect send-off and I think they should some do something differently. But he seems to be teasing quite a lot of stuff on his um, on his um, social media accounts recently. I, th I think that Logan is the perfect endpoint mm. for the character. That being said, Martin, <laughs> like, I do think there's a way, given how seemingly everything is about to open up and everything that has existed will have existed even if it's not existing in the main timeline if that makes any sense yeah. like i think there's a way that logan is the end of wolverine's story but he can still pop up and that doesn't invalidate his story because ultimately we know where his end point is if that makes any sense kind of like han in fast and furious like nah, when he came back. Talking my language so when, like, when Han came back, even though we knew how his story ended, at least until he came back again, spoiler alert, like, mm -hmm. it didn't invalidate what happened in Tokyo Drift. We just got more adventures with Han, and maybe they could do something similar to that with, with Hugh Jackman, where, you know, we get one or two appearances of the, his version of Wolverine, but ultimately it ends with Logan. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that'd be a perfect... 
way to go. Um, so, Nate, obviously, you know, we've um, talked about a number of projects that, you know, you've got on. Obviously, been listening to the NWA podcast on uh, the King of Sports um, for a, a while now, and it was great to see um, its inclusion on post. Um, what other have you got? Any other projects coming up this summer or, or, or beyond that that um, you want to tell us about, or just um, what projects you've got um, coming up at all? Yeah, I, I got, I've always got stuff going on, fellas. I've got, I, <laughs> I have to keep busy just for my own sake because. Here's the thing. Number one, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I love what I do and I love the people that I that I work with uh, in, in the podcast space. But also, like, there's a part of me that is an undying, eternal optimist who feels like doing podcasts and doing these broadcasts, it keeps my skills sharp. And, mm-hmm. like, who knows? Maybe one day, much like Satchel Page, who had to wait until he was, like, 50 years old, to make it to the major leagues. And he he was pitching and striking people out at 50 years old, fellas. Like, there's <laughs> there's a part of me that feels like maybe one day, five, ten years from now, some radio programmer who who grew up listening to law, who grew up listening to post-wrestling, will be like, I wonder if Nate's still around and, and, and hires me. And I'll be 65, 55, however many years old, and I'll finally be on the radio, fellas, making a living right before I die. So... <laughs> There's a part it got it got a little dark at the end, but there's a part of me that that you know feels like this is a natural extension of my broadcasting training, you know, and my education and, and all yeah. the broadcasting work I've done over the years. So there's always stuff for me to do, fellas. Like you mentioned, the NWA podcast. We just dropped our second episode on post wrestling. Myself and Chris Ely talking to Prince Nana, the uh, ROH legend, about various parts of his career and uh, social activism and. You know, a lot of cool, interesting things that I don't think you're going to hear on a lot of other shows, uh, which is why, again, I'm glad John and Way offered us the platform, man, to be able to tell our stories and talk to people who can relate, you know, to our stories. And and hopefully the audience may not be coming from the same place as us, but they can relate to these conversations. So you can find that on Post Wrestling. Kings of Sport is out, uh, myself and Marcus Vanderberg. Marcus's last episode, fellas, just dropped today. Uh, Marcus... Uh, is taking on a new job, so it conflicts with us doing the podcast. So mm. I've got to figure out what the next phase, much like Kevin Feige with Marvel, i got to figure <laughs> out what the next phase of the Kings of Sport is. Maybe it'll be the Kangs of Sport. Uh, that's a Marvel joke for everybody out there. <laughs> uh, so we'll figure out what that is. But until then, uh, if folks want to hear more from the sports side of things, sports, wrestling, politics sometimes, uh, we got a Patreon, patreon.com backslash Kings of Sport. They can check out five bucks, gets them in the door. If they want to pay more, we won't stop you because I believe in free will. Uh, <laughs> and then I guess the, the last show I'll promote, fellas, is uh, a show called The Naomi Podcast, which is the extension of the Black Lightning Podcast over the DC TV Podcast Network. It's myself and Brittany Monet with occasional appearances from Clement Bryan and Vanessa Shark. And we're going to be covering. Naomi, which is a brand new show coming out on the CW based on uh, Brian Michael Bendis's Naomi series for DC. And it's being produced by Ava DuVernay. So like, I'm always excited to talk about superhero stuff. And I'm especially excited when I get to talk about, you know, black and brown superhero stuff, because I feel like this is the stuff that I didn't get when I was a kid. And so the fact that my nieces or somebody else's kids gets to see themselves on the screen, I think it's really cool. So we're going to be talking about that show. And for everything else, just follow me on Twitter, guys, at in the number 8 
M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic. So that's that's where you can find me, Martin Bushby. But, but people out there, before you follow me, before you even think about clicking on a button to follow Nate and see what Nate's doing, you need to click on that button and donate to the kids, man. Because this ain't about me. This ain't about Martin. This ain't about Benno. It's about the kids, y'all. This Wu-Tang is for the children, and so is the British wrestling British. experience. Y'all got to donate to the kids. Make sure they have a better future. <laughs> Absolutely oh, I brilliant. Say myself <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> Nate, it's always, always a huge, huge honor and pleasure talking to you whenever I get to. Uh, thank you so much for... Uh, taking the time out of your, your day to uh, talk to us and, uh, you know, obviously plug this cause that we're uh, we're all about. Uh, no problem, fellas. Thank you for inviting me. I'm always down to uh, help out my friends, especially when it's for a good cause. You guys do good work and, uh, you know, good luck for the last leg of your journey. You're, <laughs> you're in the home stretch now. I'm much like Dr. Strange, I done looked at all the possibilities for this marathon, and there's only one way to finish it, and that's together. So you you brothers, finish it together and finish strong for a good cause, man. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dave. You're you a gentleman and a scholar, Nate. Thank you so much. All right, boys. Have a good one. Yeah, see you later. Oh, thanks, Dave. What a, guy. Oh, what a guy. How is he not working at a major <laughs> network? I was going to ask him if he'd take a job with WWE, but I've, when he was talking about the money side, I was like, I was like, oh, kind of, I think I kind of know the answer, but He'd what an amazing guy Nate is. I think everyone listening to this podcast can agree that, you know, oh, he definitely just like... should be getting all the money in the world from being a broadcaster. Honest to God, I can listen to that man talk for absolute hours. I saw Dickie say in the in the chat, yeah, who needs coffee? Just listen to Nate. Could do another twelve hours now, Martin. He's uh, he's energized me there. He's giving me that the that final bit of wind to uh, to get through the last bit. But no, like been a big fan of Nate's projects for a long time, you know, from Keeper 2000 to the Impact stuff to, you know, 